Itami Media Group's 2 million download celebration. Hami Media would like to say thank you to all of our sponsors for supporting our free independent media platform. As we continue to grow with listener and sponsor support, we look forward to partnering with other creators looking to grow their audience, artists, debuting their work, and offering the best artisan products for our listeners to enjoy. Thank you to the following sponsors. Stevie Richards Fitness. Stuck at home? Gym's closed? You can be a band new you anywhere with the Stevie Richards Fitness Resistance Band Training Program. Head over to StevieRichardsFitness.com and join the SRF Resistance today. Zordos Olive Oil. Zordos Olive Oil. Imported ultra premium Greek olive oil. Available now at ZordosOliveOil.com. Taste a difference for yourself. The Coffee Brosters at TheBrosters.com. The only place to get the limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Get up and have a cup of bro, bro. Exclusively from TheBrosters.com. ProWrestlingTees.com. The best way to support your favorite independent wrestlers, podcast, and hosts from Hami Media Group and Russo Brand is to get their merchandise exclusively at ProWrestlingTees.com. Podcorn.com. Podcorn is the place for podcasters and sponsors to network, find guests, sell ad space, and create new opportunities to build your brand at Podcorn.com. And Hami Media Group welcomes our newest sponsor, Tech Memes Ride Home Podcast. When the New Yorker magazine asked Mark Zuckerberg how he gets his news, he said the one news source he definitely follows is Tech Meme. For more than two years and 700 episodes, the Tech Meme Ride Home has been Silicon Valley's favorite tech news podcast. The Tech Meme Ride Home is a daily podcast, only 15 to 20 minutes long, and every day by 5 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, it's all the latest tech news, but it's more than just headlines. You can get a robot to read your headlines. The Tech Meme Ride Home is all the context around the latest news of the day. It's all the top stories, the top posts, tweets, and conversations about those stories, as well as behind the scenes analysis. The Tech Meme Ride Home is like TLDR as a service. The folks of Tech Meme are online all day reading everything so they can catch you up. So listen to the one podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every single day. Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home Podcast. Thank you to all of our sponsors, subscribers, followers, guests, producers, and hosts of Hami Media Group. Two million downloads for Hami Media Group is all because of your efforts and support. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chalbello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen, yeah. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the Hami Media Time Machine. Three, two, sweet! A living legend, Bruno 
San Martino. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. But be the man. You gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this. What is going on there, Reflectionites? It is Sunday, 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 and this is your friendly neighborhood professor, Chapella Villa Cruz, welcoming you to the PWR Podcast. Here at, I don't know which platform, because you know what, me and Ben Hami have been fighting in the boardrooms, we've been fighting in the locker rooms, you know, I looked at him eye to eye, I looked at him, I gave him a $5 face slap, I said, Ben, do not disrespect the professor because I'm going to, you know, gloat. I'm going to be vain about doing the $2 million. I'm going to keep talking about it until $3 million. You know what Ben said to me? He said, Yallah, professor, we are going to take you, we're going to take your show and make it the flagship of Hobby Media Group at Bobbeam.com. So I said, cool, I could do that too. When we get a million dollars on that platform, I'm going to be gloating too. So, me and Ben are looking eye to eye. It's like Hogan and Andre. It's like WrestleMania 3. It's like the ultimate challenge between Hogan and Warrior. And while people are like showing off their, you know, male, you know, genitalia and their title belts in front of the professor, I'm trying to have a harangue here. But anyway, me and Ben are face to face. I said, Ben, I want to be the sh- I want to be the man who has shows on any platform he damn well pleases because I am the professor. I am the magnanimous one. I am the charismatic one. But most importantly, Ben, I am the glorious one. So Ben said, he well, you know what, Ben? He went down on his knees and looked at the professor, and he said, "No problem, professor. We will give you what you want because you are that." damn cool you are that damn glorious and so welcome to the pwr podcast at hackeramine at podbeam.com welcome to the pwr podcast at hameen media group at podbeam.com welcome to the pwr podcast on your itunes on your stitcher on your archer i don't care whatever platform it is but welcome to the pro wrestling reflection podcast and you know what, while I was in a harangue, I had some gentlemen here just, you know, going out on their own diatribe, showing their collectibles, they're showing their dolls, they're showing their belts. But you know what, I got to do my job, I got to introduce them here. So the first man I'm going to introduce, he was the birthday boy, he was over the border in Canada, he's been at Lake Michigan on these sausage parties. He's been wearing his mask sometimes here and sometimes there, but this man has tested negative for COVID-19. He is Tommy Strong. He is Mr. Wonderful, a.k.a. the Tommy Wonder. We haven't heard this voice in a long, long time. How are you doing, my friend? Well, you know something, brother. I always take the summer off. This is shocking that I'm even here right now. It's August. Yes, it, 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 somewhere on a love boat, but I, I missed you guys, and I came back. Plus, ah, Did you miss me because you took such a long time off? If well, you missed me, you would have been back the week after. If you missed I me, you would have been, been here last week. But, you know, some stuff happened. One of our guys got a hysterectomy, so we had to delay. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and uh, but here I is. Here I am. I just voted. Um, I walked my dog. 
Um, I dropped two deuces after work because I eat at Mexican Town today. Um, and since I've been gone, I found out your people, the liberals, want to make your place, Puerto Rico, a, a state along with mm. D.C. So mm -hmm. they can have two more states. It's a long time coming. It's a long time coming. No, it's, it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. That mayor keeps the water. She hides it in a barn. Mm -mm. Yeah, she, she, got she, don't. she got busted. Is she Not no, it's but guess, but you got to introduce our the third member of our team. Everyone knows and loves him. He's he was he was stuck in Florida for a while. He got he got the bounce by Keith. What's Keith's last name? Keith Lee. Keith Lee. No, no, it's not a no, no. I got no, 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 no. I got what? sad news for you because you know what? what? A, a couple of nights ago, Raw did something called the Raw Underground, and the essential one, JB. Thought he was so bad. He was he was a bad motherfucker. He he must have watched <laughs> he must have watched the Ultimate Fighter. He must have watched No Holds Barbed. You know the Battle of the Tough Guys. And he got his ass whooped by Bobby Lashley. He got his ass whooped by Shelton Benjamin. He got his ass whooped by MVP. So the Essential One JB is on the mend right now. He's in a hospital bed right now, licking his wounds. You know he he, he stretched it out. But you know what? The professor's got you know friends in high places. So he put up, he speed dialed him. He's number one on his speed dial. So I call this man right now. He is the executive producer. He is the man that edits the PWR podcast to its finest. It's like an artwork for him. And he's he's the Rembrandt. He's the Michelangelo. He's the, the Picasso of the PWR podcast in terms of editing productions. He is your friend and mine. He is Big Ray Hernandez. Welcome to the PWR Podcast, Big Ray. How are you doing, my friend? Well, let me tell you something, brother. I've been to the mountaintop, dude. I've lifted 5,000-pound giants Man. over my head, bro. Holy shit. I didn't... Wait a minute. I got racist Hulk Hogan on my I'm on, the, on my speed dial. What happened here? What the well, hell's going on? Well, let me tell you something, brother. Hulk Hogan is here, dude. And Hulk Hogan is here to take this to the other level, dude. Wow, you know, you know, I like you, racist Hulk Hogan. You know, I, you know, I still support racist Hulk Hogan. You know, there's certain things I don't agree with you, Hulk. But you know what? Is it okay if you could, you know, take the phone and give it to Ray? I'd like to talk to Ray for a second. Well, let me tell you something, brother. I've been hanging and banging, clanging on the seas of of the uh, Kilimanjaro. I don't even know if they have seas, brother. But I was with Big Ray, dude, and he. That's the that's mountain. Kilimanjaro is a mountain. Well, let me tell you something, brother. In Hulkamania land, it's a freaking sea, brother. And Hulk, okay. yeah, Hulk Hogan was with Big Ray, hanging and banging, brother. And Hulk Hogan is so proud of Big Ray, cause Big Ray got his butthole fixed, dude. That that is true. You know, well, you know, he had to rest. That that's the most important thing. He rest and he recovered. So Hulk Hogan, get the phone off and give it to Ray, please. Brother, brother, Ray. brother. All right, all right, stop. Enough. Would you stop? Would you Thank stop? Thank you. What is wrong with this guy? Dude, I swear to God, I just went to, to go take a poop. Mm -hmm. And he got Watch this your wife. What? Watch your wife. Watch my he wife. He just steal phones. Oof, I don't want that. Yay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am back. It has been, God, how long has it been? Has it been a year? Maybe longer since I've been on the show? Yeah, yeah it's been, it's been a, a year and some change. Maybe longer than that. Well, that I mean, not. That was a long Tatanka. I'm talking about with you guys, like not doing yeah. solos, you know, that like like Tommy does every every Friday night when he, you know, cries. Poop. You have someone helping you, Poop. I don't. It's called the. I have nobody. I have nobody. The, the last show that I remember you and I did, Ray, was the AWA special. It was That's how long ago it was. Good Lord. I don't 87. Even 
But yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am back. And this is, see, I love this show. This show is my favorite show on Hami Media. I don't, I don't care. It's better than the Smack Attack. It's better than any of the locker rooms, in my humble opinion. It's better than any cages. No, no, you know. I'm, I'm sorry, JP. But I love this show. This is my favorite show. This is the only show where the power of positivity, where we where we stand at the top of the rank, ramp, and we roll down the ramp like Biggie Langston every single week. Because why? Because wrestling should be fun. And I got to be honest with you. I actually had a lot of fun watching this show, Monday Night Raw. And on top of that, I'm excited because I'm going to see some more fun wrestling tonight. It's not WWE night when we're recording this. It's not, I, I know this is Sunday, but I'm talking about like, like right now we're living in a kind of a time warp. It, it, it's not AEW Wednesday or Thursday or whatever the hell the show is. It is TNA Impact tonight, bro. I am so excited, so happy. Good wrestling finally. And I get to talk with you guys. And God, look at the size of Tommy Wonder's head. He looks like uh, the bad guy from, uh, oh, really? Looks like the kingpin from Daredevil. No, he kind of looked like when he was bent over. What was that? That that movie, Mars Attacks. Oh lord! But yeah, that that alien, the big head alien. Your yes. head is the size of my torso, and you're gonna talk shit about me? Would you stop? Come on. Well, I was like, the, hysterectomy go good? It, it, it wasn't a hysterectomy. Did they okay? find the hand in there? No, they found your foot. Oh. Yeah. Well, anyway, they, no, they 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 found that hand with May Young. That, that's where it happened. So, anyway, the little decorum here, gentlemen, a little decorum here. <laughs> but before we get into this special, this special episode, you know, we, for the past couple of weeks, we went into the boardrooms. You know, we talked about the greatest tag teams, the greatest managers, you know, the greatest matches, the greatest rivalry. So it's been, you know, I love that, you know, that kind of formula. So I'm going to try. This is an experiment to the to the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine. We're going to try to kind of boardroom style this episode of Monday Night Raw from July 11th, 1994. So you know what? Since we haven't heard this voice in a couple of weeks, we're going to go to TW first because you know what? 1994, the summertime. This is a month before SummerSlam. And the biggest question is... Where is The Undertaker? Where, what has been going on with The Undertaker? You know, The Undertaker was on hiatus. He was, you know, put in the coffin a couple of months prior by Yokozuna. He was deemed buried and all that stuff. And, of course, you know, during the weeks of Superstars, during the weeks of uh, Raws, you know, Ted DiBiase is talking about, you know, The Undertaker's with him. He's under his tutelage. He's bought and paid for his soul, you know. What do you remember? Because, again, TW, this is kind of like your first years, you know, doing your Detroit Los Rudos thing. So, you know what? You're not maybe you're not even keeping up with the, what's going on with Raw. So how did you think about that scenario in the summer of 94? It's funny you say that. I was actually only a couple months in the business. My first match was May mm -hmm. of 94. And I wasn't Los Rudos. Uh, was it? Yeah. May of 94, I was so January, later on in the year. But you bring that up, and while I was watching this, and one of the matches later on, they tell other matches that are about to happen. And I kept thinking, I don't remember those two wrestling each other. I don't remember those two wrestling each other. I'm like, and then it dawned on me when I was walking my dog. I'm like, oh, this is 94. I wasn't watching that much. But I do remember the opening match. I do remember... Uh, the two Undertakers, um, one of which was Brian Lee. Uh, and I remember not liking it. I I thought it was stupid um, only because 
like, I, you'd have to be an idiot to believe that was really The Undertaker, right? And then when they finally did get in the ring together, you, you're better off having Kane be it, right? Before, mm-hmm. you know, but grow his hair out, do what you got to do. But size-wise, Brian Lee's so much smaller than The Undertaker that seeing him, they did a great job of dressing him, fake tattoos and all that. But when they finally got in the ring, it's such a size difference that you're like, there's no fucking person here thought that was really him. It would have been better to me if it would have been someone more. For what do you call it? Am I breaking up on your guys' end? You both look fucking confused. Yeah, you're breaking up on just a tad bit. So if you could move over to a little bit to the right, besides the pipes. I kind of get what you're going at because you know what, TW, you are a little bit older, just like the professor. I'm 17 years old here. You know, certain things that are going on on Raw is a little bit dinky, it's a little bit, you know, nutty. You know, the the cartoon character stuff. You know, even with the Undertaker, even though that was a cartoon character that has lasted through the te- ends of time here, and I'm gonna go to Ray on this one. You know, but while TW is fixing his audio and technical difficulties here, you know. We know that The Undertaker is this ever, you know, th- this kind of character that's never changing. You know, he's dark, he's mysterious. Ooh. But I'm 17 years old and we're going through this summer of 1994 and it was hokey. You know, we got to admit that it's kind of hokey, but, you know, we appreciate what, you know, The Undertaker represents, especially now after 30 years with this character. But in 94, I'm 17, you know, the bloom is off, right, of the innocence. That we have to actually look at it and say, you know what? It's not as good as it as it was maybe five years ago or whatever the case may be. But when you're five years old, you're six years old, you love it. But when you're 17, 18, 19, 20, you almost have to look at yourself in the mirror and kind of question, why am I still watching this? What say you, Big Ray? Well, I was 18 at that time. And uh, I was uh, I was about a year and a half away from <clears throat> getting my first apartment for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I would, You know, I was watching this and I was saying to myself... You know, this is around the time that I started watching wrestling again because mm-hmm. WWE had had number one. I used to love primetime wrestling. I used to love with Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan. And I got so angry when they pulled those two hours off, you know, every mm-hmm. single week, um, I, even though I wasn't really watching it. But like between the ages of, I guess, 15, 16, yeah, around that time. WWE was doing the whole, you know, the clowns and the garbage men and, and the, 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 you know, the guys walking around with plungers and all this other stuff, the plumbers and all that stuff. And WWE started changing a little bit this time. They had Monday Night Raw. And um, I, I started to watch again, you know, during this time. And Hokey, I thought it was a little less Hokey than what it had been a year before mm-hmm. that or two years before that. Uh, I mean... The whole Undertaker versus Undertaker thing, yeah, I agree with you, Brian Lee. So much more than the real Undertaker. I mean, I like the idea of it. Uh, but, you know, Professor, you're talking about 94. And believe it or not, 1994 is possibly one of my favorite years, period. Like, um, I had, like, such a really good summer that year. Uh, I, I had all my friends, you know, we were still here in New York city, you know, before everybody went to college and moved away and all this other stuff. I had a really cool girlfriend at the time, but you know what I decided to do professor just for this show. What's that? I just, I decided to go into the annals, annals of, of pro wrestling history. Okay. And I decided to give my uncle Bill a call. I said, uncle Bill after 
do you remember 1994? And he goes, absolutely, Ray. And I said, Bill, could you give me a list of who were the most important wrestlers at all? Like the, the, like, you know, like the whole category, the PWI thing that you helped pick back in the day. And Uncle Bill says, for you, anything. Well, anyway. So what I did was I, I made a list, right? And this mm-hmm. is from the PWI from Pro Wrestling Illustrated 1994. I'm going to ask you guys. You get one guess each for each category. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. PWI's uh, the editor of the reward. I don't think that that really makes a difference. Uh, Jimmy Hart won that one. Let's let's go. PWI's lifetime achievement award. Who do you think won that one? Nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. Lifetime achievement. Who didn't die? He was close to it. Uh, damn. I would you know I would I would go with with Andre. <laughs> All right. What about you, Tommy? What do you think? Gorilla Monsoon. All right. Captain Lou Albano. Oh, there he... Okay. Who do you think was the rookie of the year in 1994? One, two, three, kid. Professor? Uh, no, they didn't give it to a WWF guy. And WCW had their own awards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go I'm gonna go off the cuff here. I'm, I'm thinking like Lance Storm or Jericho. Ooh, so close. It is ECW's 911. What? He sucked. <laughs> he was. The he was one move of doom. <laughs> who, who do you think was the most blowing ins- up? Well, who do you think was the most inspirational wrestler in 1994? Chris well, you know- <laughs> <laughs> I waited for you to drink before I said it too. <laughs> you know, I, I'm gonna have to go because I think PWI kind of like uh, kissed ass here. I'm just saying this. This is just my opinion. I think they gave it to Hogan. Ooh, close. Brett the Hitman Hart. I was gonna guess Brett. Not well. You should. You should. You should guess. You should. I'm naming them. I'm not afraid to name them. Right, we're more than halfway through this. Most okay. PWI's 1994 most improved wrestler of the year. What do you think, guys? A911. That's for damn sure. Uh. Most improved. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, kid. Jesus Christ. Is that going to be your answer for everything? Well, he went from global to there and beat Razor Ramon. Do you get more improvement? What do you Marcus Yassi and Nikita Nikolai Volkov. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Diesel was oh, the hell. most improved. Okay, hold on. <laughs> PWI's comeback of the year. Professor? Comeback of the year. Ooh, that's a difficult one. Because you actually, well, no, he couldn't have won that because he, he was he was the wrestler of the year, so I can't they can't give it to Hogan. So is this four ninety three? Ninety four. It goes it goes from that. Remember, it's Hogan. It's Hogan. Yeah, yeah. I'll give I'll give it to Hogan. Yeah, I have to say it's Hogan. Ding ding ding. You guys are both right. All right, all right. Most hated wrestler, nineteen ninety four. Really think about this, guys. New Jack. No, he wasn't hated. Black people loved him. What are you talking about? I got. T- I got- <laughs> you are so wrong on that one. That that would have to be. Don't tell me the butcher got it. Bob Backlund. Wow. Bob Backlund. All right, we got three more. For that one, yeah, I'll give it to him. This is a good one now. All right, guys. This has to. This this almost has to do with the show we're reviewing today. PWI's feud of the year. The hearts. 
Which hearts? Owen and Brett. Who do you think there, Tommy? I said Brett versus Owen. Did it yep. break up? You guys are correct. Yes, because you're stealing your Wi-Fi from the Hicks next door. <laughs> it would it, it, it would have been Hogan and Flair, but they fucked it up because they they ended it at Hot Havoc and not at Starcade. That's the way I would have said it. PWI match of the year, and a lot of people think this is one of the better matches of all time. Brett versus Owen. Hmm. Professor, I want to say Brett Owen WrestleMania ten. It was WrestleMania ten, but they have Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels. I, I, I give it to that. Was that the same show? Yeah, WrestleMania 10. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 10 was... was the same night as Owen Brett. <laughs> yes. WrestleMania 10 was awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right, all right, let's do. Uh, who, all right. Who, hold on. PWI Tag Team of the Year. Mm. Uh, the Quebecers. <laughs> Never guessed this. Bob mm. Holly and one, two, three. Oh, no, it's 93. Not Smoking three. Guns. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can you at least give me a hint on the organization? Uh, shit. Um, Hogan and Beefcake. I think at that time, 1994, they just came over from WCW to WWF. Nasty Boys. Steiners. It's the Nasty Boys. And who was the pro wrestler of the year? Hulk Hogan. Brett. You said oh, it. fuck a Hogan. Wait, the Nasty Boys won tag team of the year in 94? My God. They, that... it was, they were tag team. From 93. Wow. Remember, 93 into 94, they were tag team of the year. Because I Didn't think they, they were... The yeah, they were tag team champions. Yeah. The no, they, won the, they were multiple-time WCW tag team champions, but I just don't think that's a bad year for tag team wrestling. But anyway, that's just the professor's humble opinion. That's like his own perspective. But anyway, let's get into this. You know, Monday Night Raw, we're going back to the old school here. June, um, July 11th, 1994, you know. And you know what? Ram, we're going to go to you for a quick second here. You know, let's talk about the commentary duo of Jim Ross and Macho Man Randy Savage. Who would have known that Macho Man was on his last legs in the WWF? You know, a couple of he almost he has four months left for a career in the WWF. And you know what? Some people liked his color commentary skills. For the professor, I kind of thought he was a little bit over the top. But sometimes, I mean, even in this episode of Monday Night Raw. He had some gems. You know, it, it kind of came off okay. I'm not saying it was like Jesse the Body Ventura type, but his emotions were there. You know, his timing was good with Jim Ross. What say you, Bray? I thought he was mailing it in. I thought he didn't give a <laughs> I didn't. Th- I didn't think he cared. He was saying the most outlandish things. I mean, there was one point that, that they were talking about soccer, and he was like, go, go, ooh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. It was so cringeworthy, bro. But... but- but um, <clears throat> I always liked Macho Man doing commentary because he was so different. And um, I liked, you know, but, but he I, like I was I was sensing little little jabs here and there, you know, saying like when he was watching the Razor Ramon. I mean, that the one, two, three kid match with uh, Bret Hart, which we're going to talk about soon. How, oh, yeah, I'm going to steal some of their moves. Yeah. You know, because he really wanted to get in the ring. Like you could tell that he was tired of doing the the play-by-play gimmick like he wanted to wrestle again and wwf at the time didn't want him in the ring they wanted him in a different role they thought he was past his prime so um i think i think he was doing his best to kind of pop jim ross mm-hmm. uh you know especially when they were talking about the the, the uh, like hiring a detective and I, I i honestly think that if macho man had an earpiece 
during this Monday Night Raw, he took it and threw it into the audience and just said, <laughs> he just said, screw it. I'm going to say whatever the hell I want to say. You know what? I kind of I kind of go with that. I, I agree with that in a certain extent. And let's talk to T.W. here, the king of telling if people phone it in. So, T.W., expound on Macho Man phoning it in, just like Ray has said. My favorite part of everything that Ray just said was when he said he took a jab. And then as he said took a jab, he shoved a pinky in one of his nostrils at the same time. It was it was, yes. it was a moment I was grateful I wasn't eating because boogers are my weakness. But uh, It wasn't a It wasn't a book. <laughs> It was niche. It's not. I had a um, niche. So I actually thought when I watched it, well, before I was going to say this, after listening to Ray, I clearly don't remember shit he said, but uh, not Ray, what Macho Man said. I thought he was pretty tame and pretty subdued. I wouldn't say phone it in. I thought, I was like, wow, he, he's got it under control for once instead of just being all over the place. And as you guys were talking, I realized something. I, I don't. I, it's not. It's no surprise. I'm not a big Jesse Ventura fan as a human being. But mm-hmm. um, I think the difference between Jesse Ventura and all the guys who came after him, who tried to emulate him, I don't think any of them would. They're all dead. But I don't think any of them would say they purposely were trying to be Jesse the body. But I think that's the guy they used as the. Uh, the layout for what mm-hmm. what they should do. Mm-hmm. I think Jesse knew when to say something and said it at the right time. Whereas Piper, Monster Man, and Perfect to an extent, they all said some cool shit, but maybe made nothing to do with what was going on. Made no sense. Or maybe that. they went, than, went into business for themselves. For themselves, so right. And mm-hmm. that, whereas Jesse... His shit would always be a shot at Tito while Tito was wrestling or a shot at Hogan because they were talking about Hogan because the guy he was going to wrestle is wrestling in the ring or whatever the case may be. He just had a better cadence and a better just timing. He just knew when to do something and, and he did it. And, you know, I think that's why those other guys just never stood out to me is I wasn't uh, Jesse was a heel. So he did his job. I didn't like him. Right. Mm-hmm. So as a kid. So when these other guys are doing their shit, a most of them at that point, I liked them. So I didn't want to hate them. You know, Mr. Perfect would be on my Mount Rushmore if the other four didn't exist. But um, he he was funny at times. I think Perfect tried to be a cross between Heenan and Ventura. Or, you know, I dare say he tried to be not Jesse Ventura. But ended up being that way anyway because he's doing heel stuff that Jesse Ventura does. But You know what's kind of ironic? I thought Savage let me, let me- was all right. Let me just say this, T.W., and then you can uh, finalize your point here. But I kind of find it ironic when we, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty here. You know, we could say that Savage was phoning it in, so to speak. And then you got Jim Ross, the man who just wants to commentate. You know, during that year, 93, 94, 95, you know, this man just wanted to be a play-by-play man. But he just, you know, if you really looked at it, he wasn't given his chance because sometimes he got demoted. Sometimes he disappeared. You know, he was supposed to be doing something on Superstars, and then he disappeared. But then he went down to Smoky Mountain to help out Jim Cornette. It's not, It's kind of funny, T.W., with one phoning it in to one wanting to be doing what he loves to do, T.W. Did, did you see that? Did you sense that, too? I didn't then because I, I'm a huge Jim Ross guy. That guy's UWF. So mm-hmm. I was always happy to see him. I, and I did notice when he wasn't there, but I didn't notice until years later that it was Vince didn't like him, right? You know, it's almost a case of Vince signed him because he had to, but didn't want to. Like, he was mm-hmm. taking something away from someone, and in his eyes, not necessarily adding to to his shit, 
Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody would doubt it worked out in the end. I think in the end, I mean, it was a, you know, a, quite a good run on Monday Night Raw with Ross and, and, and Lawler, who I really don't like on commentary. But they had a pretty damn good run. No, and again, I, all that I, stuff in the beginning. I, I just thought they had so many guys that that's why he wasn't on TV is because, you know, they had so many guys to use. Like, there's there's just to put, put a pin on, not a pin, but whatever the fuck you're supposed to say when you're finishing up, on Savage. The best thing he did on this show was the interview he did at the end. It w- it seemed legit, like he did his homework and asked good <laughs> questions, and it, it was. I thought he was really well. And and between how subdued he was in the beginning, he wasn't all oh, snapping to it. You know, he was he was calm, cool, and collected, but still the Macho Man. So that's why I thought he stood out uh-huh. to being improved to me at that point, not the typical. Plus, his outfit wasn't fucking all over the place like the AIDS quilt. It was it, there was a little continuity to his outfit, and it wasn't just striped pants and fucking polka dotted shirt. I get you. I get you. Well, with that being said, you know it's funny because we're gonna get into the first match, but technically this is the main event here for Monday Night Raw from 1994, and it's been a while because I've done we've done boardrooms. I haven't played a ring bell in a whole long time so you know i had to pick a great ring bell for just this occasion so you know what for the magnificent seven for everybody on how many media streams you know what i take donations you know i take contributions so this this uh particular ring bell you'll know why i'm playing this because they pay me a hell of a lot of money so are you ready for the ring bell tw (laughs) <laughs> I think you already know where I'm going. Are, are you ready? Yep. Ray, are you ready for the ring bell? Oh, yeah. Just, just remember like the, repo, man. Just, just remember Reflection Nights. Just remember Magnificent Seven. In terms of this ring bell, 2020, vote. And because of that, we're sitting here Zooming or FaceTiming with our grandchildren instead of hugging and kissing them. And that's hard. Joe Biden knows that every moment is precious. I trust Joe Biden to get this virus under control. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. Yes, he played. He donated to the PWR podcast. I know that, you know, TW, you don't like that. It's okay. I know certain people on Hami Media Stream, they won't like it, but it's okay. I just (laughs) take the money. I take the money where I see it. That's all it is. I just take the money. It's all about the money. It's all about the campaign contributions. But the main event that started out the show is for the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. We got Bret the Hitman Hart defending his title against the one, two, three kid. And you know what? We're going to look at this in the boardroom sense. I'm going to start with Ray first because I, I look at this match. You know, we know what Bret Hart is trying to do. He's trying to elevate uh, you know, a low to mid card guy and try to make him into that semi main event. He's trying to get him over. We already know the, the task at hand, but I'm trying to remember this as hindsight 2020. I mean, one, two, three kid, he's rolling with, you know, diesel. He's rolling with Razor Ramon. He's rolling with Shawn Michaels. He's rolling with the click. You know, to me, I'd look at this kind of opportunity that Bret Hart is bestowing to him. Not on the sense of the click playing politics to get the kid over, but I think that Bret Hart is trying to get this this young man on his side. You know, of course, Bret Hart is going to play politics for Owen Hart. He's going to 
play politics for Davy Boy Smith. He's going to play politics for Jim DeAndre Nyhart. He's going to get his guys over. But I'm looking at it from a politics standpoint. I think he wanted to get more people on his side because, you know, the click was strong. The click was, you know, saying the right things, you know, behind the scenes. You know, everybody, you know, especially Diesel and Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon were always about their money. They were about their bank accounts. They wanted to get the, the most out of the, the run that they were having with the WWF. You know, they were talking about their what did they get for their pay-per-views? What did they get for the year? You know, they had all that in their heads. So, you know what? What say you, Ray, before we even talk about this match per se, about the politics? You know, hindsight being twenty twenty. I mean, I could see where you're coming from. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if, if at that very moment in history, there was, how can I say this? I don't know if, if the click was the click that we know today at that time. Mm-hmm. But I could see how a guy like Bret Hart, you know, who's been in the business for years, who had a really, really father-son-like close relationship with Vince McMahon, maybe saw something in the tea leaves. And and I could see how he would want to get a, a young, up-and-coming, very popular, very athletic kid like the one, two, three kid on his side. You know, may, may, maybe, maybe he felt that the one, two, three kid hanging out with guys like Shawn Michaels and Diesel and, and those guys, you know, maybe he, he thought he was trying to help him, you know, trying to, trying to get him, um, away from those guys. Oh, by the way, by the, by the way, the most, I, I left this out. The most popular wrestler in 1994 was Sting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, Tommy one playing with his dolls. Of course. Actually, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Dude, is, 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 is there like a, um, is there like a, a war going on behind one of you guys? Yeah, you. Not me. Well, Brooklyn. Not Consi- Brooklyn. Considering I'm in Bombay, New Jersey, you know, <laughs> all bets are off. That's all I will say. But uh, raised in Beirut. But in uh, shut up. But oh, but all in all, man, I I I think I can see where you're coming from. But at the same time, you know, Bret Hart is old school, and mm-hmm. I think I think Bret Hart was the type of guy that if he saw potential in somebody, he wasn't one. I I don't think at this point in his career. I don't think he was one of those guys that would try to hold anybody down. Like he, he would see this kid and be like, "Oh man, this kid's got a lot of talent." I don't. Again, I don't want him really hanging out with Shawn Michaels. I don't know about that guy. Let me let me, let, let me give this guy a couple of good matches. Maybe he'll be in my good graces. Maybe he'll come hang out with me. Maybe maybe I can help mold this kid into something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving forward, we know that didn't end up that way. Right, we know that. That's why I just it just looked to me with my 2020 vision here that it could have been like the politics. So let's go to TW. We know that you know the one, two, three kid from Global Wrestling Federation as the Lightning Kid. So you know what? He was good. I can't deny that he was good in Global Wrestling Federation. He was the light heavyweight champion. You know, I looked at him there. You know, he had his he had his wars with Jerry Lynn in Global Wrestling Federation, and he was a he was an okay heel. He comes into the WWF. He's just the kid, and he, you know, he he taking he's taking all the bumps, and then it took that one, you know, one raw against Razor Ramon, and everything clicked for the kid, you know. And then he turns into the no one. No pun two, intended. No, no pun intended. But he turns into the one, two, three kid, and you know, he's holding his own, you know, with these matches against Ted DiBiase and Razor Ramon and IRS. But you know, he's kind of waning here. So this is a great opportunity here to get a shot at the heavyweight championship. You know, storyline-wise, he's not a number one contender. He's not even a top yeah, he one. Was. He beat Nikolai Volkov to become the number one, to get the title shot. 
Do you really believe that? I mean, do, would we really say that? I'm Nikolai just telling Volkov. you storyline. You said storyline wise. I but he's not. Neither we, Volkov. We Nikolai was getting yeah. a title shot. I'm, I'm just saying neither of these guys deserve to be there. But what say UTW? I mean, we, you know, going from I'm the gonna, history of, of the Lightning I'm Kid gonna, to now. I'm going to come from a different perspective than you guys. A, I think Ray's right. I don't think the click existed yet. B, I think Sean and Brett were still cool um, at that point. I think Brett and Sean had the same experience coming up that they were held back. And and when I, when I looked in that ring, Brett Hart being the man opened doors. It opened a door for one, two, three kid. Mm-hmm. The one, two, three kid doesn't because you see it with Razor. He gets his ass kicked and wins that move out of nowhere. Brett being a little bit smaller than Razor and a little bit bigger than one, two, three kid makes it look believable, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this kid in there with Sid, kid in there with Warrior, kid in there with Hogan, kids getting his ass whooped, and that's that pinball machine, right? And then the one, two, three kid having a good outing with Brett. I mean, people talk about it to this day, 26 years later. He opened the door for guys like me. When I came to the ring, someone said to me, my first match in the U.S., holy shit, this guy makes the one, two, three kid look like he's on steroids, right? When the reality is, I look just like that guy. Like the only difference was I wore a singlet and he wore a singlet with pants over it with kick pads. And I had boots, same hair, same build. I had a mustache. He didn't. Um, and I didn't do all that crazy shit. He did. I did cool shit for my size, but he's the reason why guys like me could wrestle after him and be believable. Uh, I think one of the modern day critics of uh, wrestling that, the IWC, YWC, is that you call them? I mm-hmm. think I, I agree with them 100%. 50-50 booking is absolute dog shit. And you got guys that are 6'7 bumping for guys that are 5'9 and and vice versa and making it look like, you know what I mean? Like, remember the days when fucking Scott or Marty Jannetty would take a clothesline from somebody and get turned inside out because that guy was bigger than him? He didn't oh, yeah. take that clothesline for one, two, three kid. He took it for fucking Rikishi, right? So... That stuff's out the window. So long story short, I think Brett 100% felt like I'm the guy. I got to set the example. When Hogan was the guy, guys like me and Sean got held down. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to elevate guys. And he said at that Hall of Fame induction earlier in the year, he pointed out one, two, three kid and double J of all people and said, some of these young guys, some of them not so young guys. I think these guys are the future of the business. I think he hit that nail on the head with both of those guys. I think Jared went on to have a great career. I, obviously, the kid, it's crazy seeing one, two, three kid and knowing that's X Pac, right? Because mm-hmm. it looks like two different people. But but right. I think Brett was 100% sincere, and I think he wanted to 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 expand the talent pool, not hold people down so there's only him. You know, I, I want to real quickly jump in there. I, I did I did um, notice that he did mention, again, that, that I think that, that solidifies what we were saying, that Brett wasn't there to put himself over. Brett was there to help other people get over where he was putting right. over Jeff Jarrett. And putting but over- he knew that would get him over at the same time. You, right. you can't have the match of the year by yourself. Right, exactly. And we're going to talk about this match, right, Professor? But this match, I'm going to tell you something. This match really freaking surprised me. Like, I I, I was like, wow, this is a, well, you know, maybe we'll talk about it in a minute. Go ahead, Professor. I'm sorry. No, no, Ray, go. The floor is yours. Let's talk about this match, per se, because this match went on for, quote unquote, a commercial break. So it went on. It continued itself. And, of course, you know, going back and forth, this was the match that, you know, everybody 
tuned in and looked at one, two, three kid. We all know what Bret Hart's pedigree is. He's already multiple time heavyweight champion. He's already like a, a triple crown winner with all the all the gold, all the prestige, all the legacy. So the one, two, three kid had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And this match, you know what's funny, Ray? I, I think if, if this match played in 2020, we would be like, wow. Wow, this is this is the way a match should be in 2020. The, you know, we be clapping. This is wrestling. This is awesome. All this stuff right now. You know, it was. I think the timing was great. The psychology was great. You know, it was. It was so believable with the athleticism of both Bret Hart and One Two Three Kid. Go talk about anything in this match before we get to the finish. There were a couple of times during this match that I forgot that there was no way they were going to put over the One Two Three Kid. Put it that mm -hmm. way. Um. One, two, three, kid, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, whatever the hell you want to call him. You know, I've heard thousands of people over many years say that this guy was one of the best in-ring workers. And I saw it there, dude. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's one of those things where Brett Hitman Hart put that, uh, what was that guy, McGillicuddy? What the hell was the guy that he put over, uh, the guy that, that Vince McMahon wanted to be uh, Hulk Hogan? Curtis Axel. Yeah. No, 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 not that, not no. that guy. Oh, oh, the lost tape, the lost tape in WWF. The guy oh, Tom, Tom, the Tom McGee. McGee. Right. McGee. Okay. Yeah. So, Bret Hitman Hart made Tom McGee look like $1,000 or a million bucks. But I think in this match, they made each other look like a billion dollars. Like, both guys were so good. And the thing is that, you know, if you looked at this match, Bret Hart was, you could tell he was the physically stronger one out of the two. You know, he 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 did a lot more uh, submissions, a lot more like he used his strength, you know, in this match. So he played to his strengths in this match. And then once pulled a Ric Flair. Right, dude. And then, and then, and then one, two, three kid was flipping and flopping and doing all these kicks. At that time, people weren't used to seeing that. They weren't watching Japanese wrestling. They weren't used to seeing dives over the top rope and backflips and, and jumping, spinning backs of hot kicks. They weren't used to that stuff. So that was all cool and new. You know what right. I mean? So, and one, two, three, kid. Yo, I was watching like everything, even when they made a mistake, because there was one mistake. I was looking for mistakes during this match because I knew that one, two, three, kid was coming from world class as the Lightning Kid into WWF. Global. He had been there. Global. I'm sorry, global. You're right, global. And um, I was looking for mistakes, and there was one mistake. I can't remember it right. I think it was like some type of fireman's carry move, but they adjusted and worked through it, and it ended up being like a, like a Samoan drop, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, man, it takes two really talented guys to really get that done. Dude, this match was fantastic. This match could get over anytime, anywhere, anyplace. Mm -hmm. and, and TW, you know, like I said, th this match technically ended twice because the first time, of course, Bret Hart, you know, I don't want to go into a nitpicking moment, TW, so please just prove me wrong. But I, I just see the grandstanding and, and Bret Hart trying to be this great champion that he is. He wants to win it fairly. He wants to win it cleanly. You know, the kid's foot was on the ropes and all that stuff. So, you know, maybe I might be nitpicking guys, but I, I looked at it as a as a guy as an ego thing for Bret Hart trying to be like, no, not this way. I mean, we could have had something without that. What say you, TW? Prove me wrong. I got I got a two part answer to that. I am going to prove you wrong, and I think I'm going to make you happy with what I'm about to say. Please do. I, I need to be happy. But it's I'm 2020. Save it to after the finish to armchair book it, but okay. I'm going to tell you, Ray said something earlier. He goes, we knew one, two, three kid wasn't going to win. We did until Brett beat him with the foot on the rope and said, no, 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 I don't want to win that way. 
that right there made everybody think, holy shit, one, two, three kids going to win. And that's the out that Brett really won, but was honorable and no good deed goes unpunished. Right. So it was actually a nice touch to do that. And it was nice that Brett, because Brett's the one praising him at the Hall of Fame, praising him pre-match. And then before this, you know, match ends, he says, no, 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 no. I don't want to win that way. This kid's got talent. I don't want to. Be- That's another thing. I don't want to hold him back by winning like that. And then they restart the match. And the kid pays him back by giving him a fucking the Mark Merrow that kicked Austin in the lip move. That little jump with the heels mm-hmm. to the yeah. back of the armpits and then flip back and almost beat him that way. And it almost caught it almost cost Brett right then and there for being a nice guy. It was it was no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> and then they they went into I think the fireman's carry happened a little <laughs> bit after that. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, that that's it. And then I, I'm going to save my armchair booking for the end. Okay. Uh, with that being to the finish, said. but but okay, that's with- why they did that. It wasn't to make Brett look great. It it it, it was consistent with his character. I would mm-hmm. say that that Brett doing that was that's something you would expect Brett to do. Um, but but I but, but, you, but how it looks like grandstanding. No, no, and the reason I'm saying that is maybe because I'm trying to get I'm trying to rem- to uh, get everybody's like 94 eyes. You know, when you're 17, 18, 19, 20, and you're right. you're starting to maybe not not hate the WWE, but like look into the business a little bit more technically. And then you know when you got ECW, and then like I don't want this cartoon stuff. And then you you look at Bret Hart, and he's trying to be that that politician that's kissing babies and shaking sportsman. hands. He's a sportsman. He's a sportsman, but he's a glory hog. That's what I'm trying to say. And, and people didn't like that. People were going but for the bad guy. They were they love the you they, they love the cool year old eyes. Seventeen year old mm-hmm. me, if I'd still buy it, I think Brett, what are you doing? You won. Get the fuck out of there with your belt. I would be mad at Brett for doing it. I wouldn't it wouldn't make him higher on the pedestal for me. I'd be thinking, What are you doing? Take the win. You know, as as a Bret Hart fan, as a right. guy just watching it because he likes it. I think I would respect not winning with the foot on the rope. Brett saw it. It was obvious he saw it. So if he doesn't say anything, that almost hurts him, right? So, but again, after the finish, I'm going to tell you what I would have done differently. And and really quickly, as my microphone almost falls off the table here, um, I love the fact that what they did was they had one, two, three kid kind of like, you know, try to take advantage of Bret Hart being, you know, an honorable nice. champion. Because... Yeah. Right there, what he's doing is, you know, his character, the the one two three kid, is doing whatever it takes, you know, Absolutely. to get right to get the unattainable. You know, nobody. I, I love the way number one that that be, before we even get into the finish and everything, I love the way uh, Jim Ross and Macho Man and 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 uh, what what's the, what's gimmick Jones that 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 uh, Todd Pettengill was that the guy? Yeah, yeah. I love the yeah. way they were putting over how you know this guy could really be champion. You know, this underdog, this this little skinny kid who beat this guy, who beat that guy, who beat the other guy, and now he has a championship match. Dude, I watched this, and again, I'm going to reiterate, I forgot that there was no chance he would ever become champion. But that kid showed me a lot, man, especially at that, at that time in his career. And with that being said, Reflection Nights, let's get to the finish of this epic WWF championship match between Brett the Hitman Hart and the 123 Kid here on the PWR podcast, episode 122 on Hacker How Mean at Podbean.com. 
What an epic finish. I, again, there was a commercial break. There was a win that Bret Hart didn't want. But in the end, and with the sharpshooter, TW, Bret Hart retains the title. And in essence, the one, two, three kid gets a moral victory because he hanged with the champion. So I'm going to go to you because you said you had the armchair booking that was going to make the professor happy even in 2020. Go ahead. I do not like that he submitted. I would have rather him lost with the foot on the rope because that leaves him as like, fuck, submitting derails all momentum and it makes everyone else who lost to him look that much worse because Brett basically finished him, right? But that's his move. Well, that's sharp, the, but, the, but the sharpshooter is his I move. That's his that. signature move. I understand that. Everyone else couldn't even get to their move because they got beat by him. DiBiase mm -hmm. lost to him. Razor lost to him. Razor, because he was toying with him. I understand that. DiBiase was trying to beat him and got hit with a crossbody and lost. Nikolai got rolled up in a small package, which anybody doubting him beating Nikolai would be an idiot. But what I would have done differently, which would be way too fucking out there, have Brett lose with his foot on the rope and the kids say, no, 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 no. I don't want to lose like that. I want to win legit. Wow. And then Brett beats him, and then the kid looks green. You would have been world champion if you weren't so damn honest, kid. Stop being honest. Brett redeems himself by winning. They have a rematch. Then Brett submits him. But have Brett lose with a small package or something. It doesn't have to be an absolute, you know, whatever. Brett's foot's on the rope. But that would have made the one, two, three kids so relatable and so. Daniel Bryan. He would have been Daniel Bryan before Daniel Bryan. People would have loved him for that. But it, it, it's at the risk of ruining Brett. So I understand why they didn't do it, but I would have done it that way. I go with that. Brett's uh, still Ray. the champion when you leave. Okay, Ray, any uh, final thoughts on this? Or do you have your own armchair booking, or do you agree with the way they, they did it, the way well, it played out here? I don't mind the way they did it, and I get what you're saying, Tommy. Um, I love that booking, by the way, and no, no, no BS. I really love that booking. <clears throat> that would – I think, though – that would have made the kid look too strong. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Not if it was a fluke, but he had his foot on the rope. That's what I said. Don't okay. finish him. What? All right. So I would have done it a little simple, a little more simple, a little simpler, where um, you know the champion makes a mistake and almost gets rolled up, but kind of reverses the roll up. You know, like he literally just got out of there. You know, not submit him. Right, not submit him. I, this, you know what? I agree with you there. The submission, I think, if you're trying to build some kid, um, I, I hate when you're building somebody for them ever to submit. That's one of my things I hate. No baby face should ever submit. He should or, pass the fuck out. Right. Like Austin did bleeding oh. at WrestleMania 13. Or you could have had that. You would have had the kid pass out. Or maybe, um, I don't know if he was affiliated with somebody, maybe have Shawn Michaels run out. 
and, and, and throwing I, a towel. I, I, I don't mean to be funny here, but you know why it makes sense that he submits? Why? Because his name, the kid, he's a kid. The kid right. has to submit to a man. No, he is not a grown. No one else he's not, caught him. He's not a grown man. He's the kid. That His name even hamstrung him to for all your the armchair booking. And I'm not trying to be funny here. I, I would have even, like, I mean, if you really wanted to do something really radical and different, you know, have Macho Man. Have Macho Man, who's doing play-by-play. Let him go. Let you know, like, go. like, 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 come to the side of, of the ring and start pounding on the side. Like, ref, you know, this guy, this, he's going to kill this kid. You know, the kid's right. not giving up. The kid's he would have loved it. He would have loved it. He would have loved to do something physical with that. Right. And then, and then yeah. just, just have him g- grab a towel from under the ring and throw it into the ring. And, 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 and you know, rip a tassel off. Throw a tassel sure. In. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or coming in. Coming his hat. His fucking cowboy hat. Or even come in and throw the referee down. Get the kid this. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That way the kid doesn't submit. The kid looks like, holy cow, this kid did not want to give up. Bret Hart had him. Bret Hart beat him. Submitted immediately. Yeah. As soon as he put him in and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the ref didn't stop it right away. So I go, is he telling him no? And then I looked. I'm like, he's fucking screaming. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I just, but it's hindsight and it worked out for the kid in the long run. He never was world champ. Was he in the discussion for best guys to never win the title? uh, I don't think so. But you know what? The kid. He won. He won IC titles, right? He won cruiserweight titles. He won the uh, European title. I remember that he won the light cruiserweight title. He went yeah. to WCW. He did his thing over there. So the kid, like you said, TV title. I would. I would love to have seen, like the kid. If the kid was a little heavier, you know, if the kid, if the kid was able to build his body a little better without, you know, being whatever, that kid could have been RVD before RVD. Well, rem- you know? rem- I remember around the same time. Let me let me just end this right here before we get to the next match because you know you said something right that you know with the athletic abilities we didn't see this in '94 a lot and, and think about the early '90s into the mid '90s you know like two two cold Scorpio and WCW was doing these moves you know the kid was doing all these high flying moves and and again if you saw ECW he was getting you know a little inkling of seeing things from Mexico and Japan and all that stuff so you know this was not. This was something not at a premium yet, so it was so 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 special. I'm sorry, is that, that. is that Kelly Kapowski? It is. Are you wearing a Kelly Kapowski T-shirt, Tommy? It says it says Women Crush Wednesday. It's Zach Morris's Instagram. I was oh. a bit, I was I was I was a big Lisa Turtle fan. Not now. She looks like oh, a, I love Lisa Turtle. She looks like she's a, she got like that. A, she's got that Michael Jackson shit these days. Whatever it. Uh, you look like nah, 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 nah. Once one showgirls came out, Jesse Spanner was all of mine. That was all I gotta say. But I like I'd have stabbed all of them. She she looked like uh, turns. She looked like this uh, would be great for your new podcast, right? She like uh, she, she like Sammy Sosa. Oh, Lisa, Lisa Turtle. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a bad thing. But anyway, let's get into this next match you here. Now, ruined her for me. Who? Who? Right, just Who? ruined Lisa Turtle for me. It's the truth. Uh, she's got the Sammy Sosa disease. But anyway, you know, a little decorum here. You know, we're not we're not going segment by segment, but we you know the theme here is Ico Pro with Lex. Forget about Ico Pro. It you know, did I you take every chance I can to talk about Lex Luger? But anyway, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about it a little bit, but let me get to that ring bell because you know what? He paid a lot of money, TW. So I hope you're going to vote for this man because this is the man that's going to do everything in November the right way. The man is going to get inaugurated in January and the fucking chick he picks for the vice president is going to get inaugurated in February. 
I'll take it. I'll take anything. But anyway, let's get to that ring bell. I want every single American to know if you're sick, if you're struggling, if you're worried about how you're going to get through the day, I will not abandon you. We're all in this together. We'll fight this together. And together, we'll emerge from this stronger than we were before we began. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. Yes, he paid a lot of money, Reflection Ice. I'm sorry if you don't like it, but you know what? I just take the money where I can get it. So, you know, once Trump gets me the money, once that check clears, I'll pay. He I'll did. Play a he, he did. He gave you 1200 bucks U.S. <laughs> but nah, that's not enough. Joe Biden gave me 2400 so the math is correct. But anyway, the next match we got here, we got Kona Crush. Ooh. Accompanied by Mr. Fuji. You gotta love that 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 uh alignment here. Going up against a version. This is not version one, but a version of a he's not broken, he's not woken. We don't know what he is, but it is Matt freaking Hardy Ray. I mean, this man is wet behind the ears, Matt freaking Hardy. He's got like a flat top buzz cut to me. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a little bit jacked up with some steroids. I don't know what they're doing in North Carolina, but he's taking some some all natural grains here. But you know what? Think about right now where he where he came from to what he's doing right now in 2020. Mm -hmm. The evolution of the character of Matt Hardy. I mean, this man has been in the business so long here. He, he's grown before our very eyes. What say you about Matt Hardy or this even Corner Crush? This is, uh, if I'm correct, a year before they were in ECW? Who? The Hardy Boys. They were never in ECW. Yes, they were. Weren't the Hardy well, Boys in ECW? Well, they never? Nope. Where, 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 where did they make their name before they came to WWE? Uh, in the Indies in the, in the North Backyards. Carolina region. <laughs> Not Backyards. Am I crazy? They, they were never in WC, they never WCW, never ECW before WWE. I can't validate on WCW, but I know definitely ECW, no. They did anyway. jobs for WWF individually, and then they put them as a team, <laughs> and they got over after well, that. Yeah, they put them with Doc, uh, Doc Hendricks. Uh... Right, right, but they wrestled as a team first, but they right. weren't a team. I don't even think – did Jeff Hardy wrestle as Jeff Hardy, or he used a different name? No, he was Jeff no. Hardy. He was, he, he was Jeff Hardy. Um, Dude, I, I, I was shocked. I was like, oh, wow, look, it's Matt. And, yes, I noticed he was bigger, he was stronger. Um, the kid was a good bump machine, man. Uh, Speaking of Matt and steroids, we're talking about AEW on Wednesday nights. What's that? What, what about Zack Ryder all jacked up now that he's not being tested? Oh, no, who, dude. Who, Zack Ryder doesn't exist. It's Matt Cardona. Who's Get that? Right. Yeah, I know. What, what, I know. What's, what's, what's in A&W? Isn't that like root beer? I love that. Root beer, yep. And they oh. got cheese curds. Mm, I love A&W. But anyway. Uh, yeah, dude, uh, I was watching Matt in this match, and I was like, wow, look at Matt. Yeah, he got a little buzz cut. He, he looked like a little, uh, uh, a little, uh, Blade Runner, uh, Blade Runner Blade. Like, oh, yeah. You know? He had the face paint. He looked like either the Warrior or the Sting in the Blade Runners back in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, that, that, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, mm -hmm. second thing was, wow, you know, the kid, <clears throat> he didn't get a ton of offense, but you could see he showed his athleticism during the match. And uh, the kid took good bumps, man. I, I think for somebody that wasn't really trained, because if you guys don't know, they basically trained themselves in the trampolines in the backyards of South Carolina. You know, yeah, down right. down with down with Colin. You know, Colin Weissong was down there training with him apparently. And uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know that Colin Weissong used to. Uh, and three count. What's that? 
Three count was with did him I, too. Did I ever tell you this story? No. Nope. One time, one time, it was around uh, Van Camp. No, it was late 1998 or 97. I was in West Fourth Street in Manhattan, like all the bars and the trendy places are down there, and uh, the NYU is down there. The school. Long story short, me and my boys are walking around, right? And these three guys come up to us. Now, me and my boys are big guys, you know? And these three thin, one guy was real tall. It was three count. <laughs> and Shane Helms, who had braces on, looks at me and he goes, Hey, man, you know where we can party? And I looked at him. I was like, what do you mean, like drugs? He's like, yeah, man, like party. I was like, get, the f- get out of here. I said, aren't you, aren't you, don't you guys wrestle? Aren't you guys on TV? He goes, yeah, man. We didn't have those cell phones back then. I was like, I was right. like, my my boy was you like, pull out your Polaroid camera, your pop shots. My boy Birdo was like, yo, don't do drugs. And we started laughing at them. We walked away. We were drunk out of our minds though. But it was three count, and they asked me if I knew which, where. Which one of you guys blew blew uh, the other one, Shannon Helms? Oh, they, hey, this is a family show, TW. What are you, what is wrong with you? What is, what is, did I forget to say kisses? Who blew him kisses? Would you say? Stop, stop it, stop it, T.W. Let, let's get back into the show here. T.W., what about, you know, untapped potential Kona crush here? Because, you know what, I hated the Hawaiian good guy Kona crush. But when he went, when he joined the dreaded Mr. Fuji, when he aligned himself with Yokozuna, you know, that was untapped potential in the professor's eyes. I like that, you know, association with each other. I mean, Kona crush, you know, he was a diamond in the rough as a heel, but they didn't. They never pulled the plug on that one. Let's say you, T.W., before we get to this finish. I, I'm going to tell you, I've said this about other people in the past. First of all, he had the worst outfit ever. As a good guy, yes, I agree. Yeah. And then when he became a heel and he wore darker colors or whatever, it was too late. And the worst part about him, the thing that made Razor Ramon, Ramon cool was his fake accent that eventually went away. The thing that made Crush brutal was his fake, bruh, his Hawaiian terrible accent with his Kona Crush. You mean Shaka, brother. What? Shaka, bra. He, it's like he never could finish a word. Like he ran out of breath with each word. Like the Boston people that can't say the ah. But uh, so for me and Kronos, chronic, chronic. Mm-hmm. I thought Adam Bomb down had him bomb is the most untapped potential in the history of wwf for me because he had the potential for the look the work rate he didn't need to talk he had harvey whippleman he could have been every big as razor ramon or diesel or all those gimmick guys who who outshine the gimmick right when he started being a face and throwing them fucking footballs into the audience over it's all done he was so awesome as a heel. Had them rubber gloves like like that Big Ray wears at those bars on the shady side of town where they fist. But uh, but as Chronic, I think both of them redeemed themselves. I remember they finally came to WWE like a day late, a dollar short for that invasion angle. They they got there towards the ass end of it, and it was just mm-hmm. too late. And I think they jobbed them out anyway. And I want to say they wrestled in jeans when they finally got to the WWF. But in black in black jeans. Was, yeah, Chronic, they were the white doom. But uh, Chronic was absolutely redeeming for both of those guys. I never saw it in Crush. I think that, I think, was it WrestleMania 10? Crush versus Macho Man, where he hung him upside down in the rope? Yeah. That's what stops WrestleMania 10 from being five stars. It's got to be four and three quarters because of that fucking match. That match was terrible. 
Um, God bless Macho Man for trying to elevate Crush. But Crush, to me, in WWF, his only good time was as Demolition. Well, you know, I, I, like I said, I think that him and, and Yokozuna being together, kind of like, you know, taking away the Demolition stuff was okay. I, it, there was untapped potential with Kota Crush, especially with Mr. Fuji. But anyway... Let's get into the finish of this quick squash match between Kona Crush and Matt Hardy here on the PWR Podcast. Macho Man with World Cup Soccer Fever here. I think we need to order a decaf here for the Macho Man. Look at the strength of this man. Kona Crush extending his arms and holding Matt here. Crush looking forward to meeting Lex Luger as a part of the uh, WWF uh, Summer Sizzler Tour. Macho Man, Macho Man, are you all? Sorry, hey. Come back to Earth here. Oh my. You know what? I think I spaced. I think you did too. I think this is over. No doubt about it. Hey, I just figured it out. Crush is the winner, but the detective we should put on the case is Maxwell Smart. Of course, the Macho Man is referring to All-American Wrestling yesterday when Todd Pettengale and the Million Dollar Man said that WWF needed to hire a detective to investigate this Undertaker situation, and we'll have more on that tonight. All righty, Reflection Ice, and, you know, no surprise here. Kona Crush wins. This is a squash match, TW. I mean, you know... Let's look at it from the from the eyes of Matt Hardy because you know again hindsight's twenty twenty and look where Matt Hardy has turned himself around and what he is you know broken woken and you know the real Matt Hardy version one version two and all that stuff I mean did we see this from this man in ninety four I I'm gonna be honest with you sometimes I never really pay attention to enhancement wrestlers because that's what you were you were an enhancement wrestler you would your job was to make someone like crush a million bucks so i never i never thought that he was going to get his opportunity to, to to shine so what say you tw about even this match or just anything the the jobber guy was usually the kiss of death for wwf once you were their job guy you basically were no way you were getting signed unless you went to wcw Except for around 93, 94, where they took all those jobber guys that had a little bit of notoriety because they were always on TV, and they made Louis Spicoli Rad Radford, and they made Dirty White Boy, they made him the toilet bowl cleaner guy or whatever, the plumber. T.L. Hopper. T.L. Hopper. Then you had the goon. I I do remember Matt Hardy with those razor blade sunglasses and, and that. Did not see potential in him. Looked like a kid, shark, or fish out of water, all that. But the first time I saw them team and do jobs, I was like, these guys are good. They were smaller, and but the guys that they were working let them get a couple moves in. Well, in hindsight, now we know it's because they probably were signed, and they were slowly bringing them along. But mm-hmm. when they finally started teaming on TV, I don't remember. I seen didn't Jeff Hardy wrestle the Undertaker and get squashed in a match, or someone big who just fucking smoked him in the in the job? They're, probably they're, make shorter hair. Probably Mabel. Probably Mabel. Mabel. Yeah. Their their first tag team win uh, in the WWE was a match in, if I'm correct, 1995 against uh, two guys, uh, Sex Ferguson and Chad Too Bad, in a boner yard tag team <laughs> match. 
the <laughs> ultimate boner yard of '95. I, yep. I I remember that one. It was a back lot, oh. back lot boner. Oh. Big big race basement. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, big big race. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I used to have a I used to have a little indie uh, gimmick we used to do back here in the projects of uh, in the backyard of the projects here in Lower East Side. That's not indies. That's backyard. That's two different things. No, but no, no. The jobber in the next match. I bet you guys know. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Ray. Any close? Ray. Any closing thoughts before we get to the next match? Dude, I thought Crush was awesome. I like Crush. I thought Crush had all the potential in the world. Actually, when I was watching this, I said to myself, this guy is going to be untapped potential for the professor. Because, you know, he was a big guy. Listen, he was a big guy, right? But he, he looked Terrible good. Gimmick. Terrible gimmick, but, but he looked good. He had a good look. He, had a, he, he didn't need to talk because he had a manager talking for him. I think the face paint added yeah, to his Yeah, he look. still did. You know, man, uh, I would have cut his hair off. I would have I would have given him a crew cut, maybe mm. maybe maybe let him grow in a beard or something like that. I don't know what was cool back then—a Fu Manchu or a freaking Hulk Hogan buzz cut or whatever the hell they they had in the face. I would have had him look a little different. Maybe dress him all in black. I know he had darker colors, and um, kept him with that dark face paint. <clears throat> Dude, I thought Kona Crush and his finisher. What was it like? Backbreaker? Yeah, it was kind of like a backbreaker. But you know what? Ball? Let me ask you this, guys, before we get to the next match, and I'm going to play that ring bell because Joe Biden's calling me because, you know, he wants to get his money's worth. You know, when, when did Aki Breaky Heart come out? And Because why didn't 90, Vince McMahon... 90, 92, 91? Why didn't, why didn't Vince McMahon take advantage of Kona Crush's mullet look oh. and change him into the country crush? Because they the had break- the smoking guns. But they sucked. They really crush. Professor, my question is why didn't when Kona Crush first came in as a baby face, why didn't WWE shop that dude to do crush commercials? Remember that soda, the orange crush soda? Mm -hmm. Why didn't Oh yeah. Hello? There was money right there. Money to be had. I'm just saying. You know, you know, money, you know, remember, he had a he had the trial of his life. So, you know, things couldn't have worked out for him. All these ideas went out the window because he was just trying to fight for his life with the trial of the century. But anyway, let's get to that ring bell and then the next squash match. Oh, bless you. Really? Bless you. If you're worried about how you're going to get through the day, I will not abandon you. We're all in this together. We'll fight this together. Together, we'll emerge from this stronger than we were before we began. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. I would have voted for Biden and Epstein. That's all I would say. But anyway, what? the next Biden and Epstein. That's that's the ticket. That's that's the ticket for everybody. Oh, it's, but anyway. it's, it's a ticket somewhere. All right. <laughs> to hell. But, <laughs> to Epstein Island. <laughs> oh. Hell is a concept that's been you know over glorified. But anyway, we got. Barry Horowitz, everybody's favorite. Barry Horowitz going up against Reza Ramon. So I'm going to go to Ray here first because, again, this is the summer of 94 and a month before SummerSlam. And we know that Reza Ramon and Diesel are having their war or their feud for the IC title. And, you know, of course, the click is, you know, banding together for all that stuff. So, you know, this is a tune-up match for Reza Ramon. But let's talk about the summer of 94 and this, you know— Razor Ramon and, and Kevin Nash, their matches in, in WCW did not live up to the hype, in my opinion. But sometimes, but these WWF matches, if you really looked at it very, you know, visually, like the professor did, 
they had some good, you know, chemistry with each other. You know, they had they they went move for move. It wasn't like five moves of doom. So so Ray, what say you about Razor Ramon in the summer of '94? Hey yo, listen to me, Chico. When I was watching this match, I couldn't believe how over Razor Ramon was. I mean, everyone, everyone was cheering for the bad guy. Dude, Razor Ramon. I, you know, I used to love Razor Ramon, by the way. And uh, obviously because he had my last name, uh, my mm-hmm. first name, you know, Ramon. It's Raymond in Spanish. But anyway, um, dude, I loved him. And I, you know, during, uh, if you will rewind back, Bret Hart got a pop. One, two, three, kid, even though they were trying to put over that, they would go, oh, they're cheering for, cheering for one, two, three, kid. He's cheering. No, they were really cheering for Bret Hart. But anyway, Ray's Ramon was the most popular figure, I think, on this show. Mm-hmm. I really don't. That's one of my guys that I said to myself, why couldn't they make him even a transitional champion? Great IC champion. Two-time mm-hmm. IC champion, if I'm correct. Two or three times. I think two. But I my think, guy. I think, I think three. Okay, maybe three. But man, wow, that guy was popular. As a matter of fact, so popular. If I think there was a show, remember the Phil Donahue show? They had these uh, sick kids, and their make a wish was to meet Razor Ramon. Like he was, dude. This guy was over, man. He was a great. He was a great heel. You know, he was a. He was a. He's one of those guys. You know, you know how Macho Man is one of those guys that was an amazing heel. One of the best of all time, but was also one of the greatest baby faces of all time. Same thing with Hogan. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest baby faces and one of the like a, a ridiculously iconic. Razor Ramon was the same thing, dude. You know, he was a he was a heel in WCW as the NWO, but he was more over than half the babyface roster with the hey yo, it's survey time. Dude, mm-hmm. I, yo, Razor Ramon, when you're talking about world title. On um, that is my. I'm gonna steal your gimmick. Untap potential, dude. Mm-hmm. And, and TW, I don't need to say anything because you've always talked about Razor Ramon. You've always said about the Razor Ramon pop. So expound on that. You know, this is your floor here. You heard it here on Monday Night Raw against Barry Horowitz. What say you, TW? Before we get to the finish, he's still a heel at that point, isn't he? Because he no, he has he's a baby face. Mr. He's a fi- so he was a face when the kid beat him. <clears throat> No, no. He, he, that's right. He was a heel. Um, he took the pin, and then I forgot what what happened. If you remember, Professor, why he 90, turned ninety three. He turned face to help the kid against Teddy uh, Biasi. That was nine, that was ninety three. He He's got, already like he had earned the kids like the kid earned his respect or whatever the hell, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. If if it's not Razor Ramon, Teddy Biasi, those are the two best guys to never be world champion. So. But Razor Ramon, and I always talk about this in the show, Razor Ramon and Ken Shamrock in the 92, 93, 94, 95, nobody got bigger pops than those two. No. Go back and watch Ken Shamrock on Superstars come to the ring. I don't know if they were piping the shit in or what, but as soon as the, the skid marks of Razor Ramon's music hit, before he even came out, that place erupted Austin levels. And he I, never was world champion, but it was because of himself. He got in his own way. I'll, I'll tell you real quickly. Um, I don't know if it was Nassau Coliseum or MSG. I think it was Nassau. I, I went to, to WWF. Um, it was a show before and in your house, and Razor Ramon was there. And that dude, 
got the biggest like dude you don't understand when he walked out and he did that whole razor ramon walk and you did hit sideways yeah no dude seriously guys i'm being serious dude he was so like i got i'm getting chills thinking about how and he looked like a champion he was thoroughbred as they say did i ever tell you the story about when i met him i went to an autograph signing at the mall I used to slick. I'm sure you guys have seen the picture on Facebook where my hair slicked back with my mullet and the toothpick in my mouth. My sure, oldest yeah. daughter recreated it herself. She put mascara on her lip and recreated that picture of me with her. Um, but I went. I waited in this long line. I get up there to get the autograph from him. The WWE used to remember how in high school you had to put the paper around your book. You folded the corners and shit, and then your book had like a cover over it. And then you could draw on it and all that kind of stuff. Maybe they don't do that in New York, or maybe you guys aren't paying attention. No, no, no. I know exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Well, the WWF gave you one that folded and it fit over your school books, right? And it had all the wrestlers in the corner around, like the Brady Bunch kind of thing. But in the middle was like WWE. So I get all the way up to this line. There's just as many people behind me as there was in front of me when I got there. And I walk up. My buddy's next to me, and I said, "Yo, Razor, look at me, man. We're like twins." He looked up and he goes, shoot, I'm way better looking than you, man. Everybody fucking laughed at me. I put my head down and just took the fuck off. I was like, I'm out of here. But there was a show at Joe Louis Arena. It was Bret Hart versus, uh, I want to say Razor or Lex in defending the IC title. No, because Bret wrestled uh, the Mountie. So whatever reason, Razor was a heel, Lex was a heel. Um, and whoever Razor was working, Lex came out to help him win, which obviously they were never aligned on TV. It ended mm-hmm. up being a, I, I think it was a tryout to see who got the bigger face reaction between the two when they had this situation happen. So Luger comes out, he's got, you know, Razor's holding the guy, Lex goes to hit him and he hits Razor with that that forearm with the gimmick in it, you know, like he had the bar from the accident and cost razor the match. And then after the guy he beat rolls out of the ring, razor and Lex start pushing each other and they do like the yay boo. You guys know what the yay boo is? Yeah. Okay. So they're doing the yay boo. The crowd's fucking cheering for both of them. Like normally two heels push each other. Yeah. Two heels push each other. They boo everybody. Matter of fact, the After Magazines had a match. It was uh, Sheik and Volkov versus the Dream Team. And it said, the night the fans booed everybody. It was at MSG. And the fans didn't care. That's why they never do heels versus heels. Because the fans want to see everybody lose. Well, when Razor and Lex had their little standoff and mm-hmm. to see who the crowd liked, equal amount of cheers. Within a month, both of them got turned face. Luger body slammed. Yokozuna on the fucking Intrepid, and and right after that, Razor became a good guy. Um, cool. But but dude, his reaction, I want to say, as a bad guy, that dude got cheered. Yeah, like, yeah. The end of it was. Was he one of the first bad guys? That the cool one. That they like the first like like I mean Roddy Piper was a guy that got cheered. But- they didn't but, cheer. I, uh, I don't know, man. They, you know what? You don't know. There was let, a let me, handful. Let, let me put it this. I'm sorry. Let me put it this I way. Them, I, I think maybe Macho Man may have been one of the first bad guys that was actually cheered in the arena. Roddy Piper, a lot of people liked him, but he was a bad guy, so they booed him in the arena. But Razor Ramon is one of the first bad guys that call themselves, hey, yo, I'm the bad guy. Over. Yeah. Right. And, and people just... 
He just had I that. I think people liked him when he was the diamond stud. I know there was a lot of guys that were WWF guys who didn't know shit about Atlanta. So when they saw Razor Ramon, they had no idea he was the diamond stud, right? Yeah. But yeah, the people yeah. who followed him or who watched both, I dude, the first time I saw the diamond stud, honest to God, I'm embarrassed to say this. It took me a few times seeing him to realize it was Scott Hall. No because way. I was a huge I was a huge Scott Hall fan. He had that big hair. He looked like Magnum PI and Magnum CA had a baby. And when he came out with the five o'clock shadow instead of the handlebar mustache, the slick back hair. And the first time I saw him, I was watching the pay-per-view when you watch it like you watch porn. I couldn't pay for the shit, but I was trying to make out and I could hear it. And then I seen him, I'm like, that's fucking Scott Hall. And he always wore those shitty boots with the fur on him. I, I think Peter I Scott Hall. Professor, I think I think I saw Scott Hall the first time on an NWA like six oh five. Gator Scott Hall, yeah. He, yeah. he would do like eighty nine, yeah. No, in eighty nine. I'm, I'm saying when he was a diamond stud. When he was a oh, diamond yeah. stud. I mean, yeah. I remember him back yo, I used to love him and Kurt Hennig, you know, back in the AWA and I thought they were awesome. I didn't now watching back, watching back at those matches, Scott Hall was freaking green. As all hell back Cucumber. then. I, I, I think in, in WCW, he looked jacked up, roided up. But in WWE, he, he it, there was no steroids because he looked very slim. He, he looked more athletic to me. And he with the like vignette, he took care of himself. He took we care. all know he didn't. <laughs> well, he drank more than he did in WCW. But anyway, he was too high to eat. Yeah. But anyway, let's get into the finish of this quick match between Barry Horowitz and... Reza Ramon, the bad guy, here on episode 122 of the PWR Podcast. Hey, yo. Buford Plesser. It's what? Detective. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's got that Southern justice, you know. What about Sherlock Holmes? Possibility. Horowitz trying to gain some sort of advantage here. He has not been too offensively minded in this matchup. But not a lot of guys are when they meet the bad guy as he scoops up Horowitz here. And Horowitz going for a ride with a rather rough landing. Uh-oh. Razor says it's over. Just like Martha Clark thinks. Detective work. Nice, you know, no, no surprise here with the Razor's Edge. You know, Razor Ramon wins. What is that? He didn't no go way. over. He didn't go over with the Razor's Edge. He he decided to show I'm his. Try, uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to trick the Reflection Eyes oh. if they pay attention. But go ahead, explain it. Explain. Explain. No, it. Go I'm, ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Professor. I, I no, no, you... give it. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. I, give I it was away. trying to do out. Well, not not the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but go ahead. I was trying to do. <laughs> I was trying to see if. It, <laughs> I was trying to do it. I was trying to see if the if the reflection ice and the magnificent seven would pay attention. But go ahead, Rick. Since you already let let the joke out. Now, now I feel like a heel. But um, but Razor Razor, Razor Ramon, um, instead of going over the Razor's Edge, decided to roll up Barry Horowitz in a small package. Why, Tommy? I watched it and I thought to myself, like it. I, that's why I thought he was still heel, even though they popped for him making the move like that he was going to do the razor's edge. 
and he did it. And all I thought is, did he do that without permission? Like he just gave Horowitz the night off? Because Horowitz is a very likable guy. Wasn't he the guy. guy you wanted us to interview? Well, not for nothing. I've reached out to him twice, and twice he said yes, you jabronis. So anytime you want to have him on. It's been a good time to talk to him about this. Good guy. Match, we, I would love guy. to know why Scott Hall gave him the small package instead of the razor's edge. But he was just always a likable guy. And when he did it, I was kind of like, I thought it was heel. And it reminded me of when Mick Foley in ECW would act like he was going to do his big elbow to the floor and go, fuck you guys and then roll the guy back in the ring like he wasn't going to do the moves that made people like him very cool heel heat so when razor did that i thought he was sticking it to the fans like i'm not giving you a razor's edge tonight which by the way coolest finishing maneuver of all time yes especially especially when he didn't hurt anybody with it a couple of guys got hurt on purpose one of them skull gans who i wrestle with because he i think i told you guys he did the Lex Luger in the corner to Razor Ramon on a job match. So Razor mm-hmm. dropped him right on his head, and it became the Superstars intro. But uh, but just I, I maybe you have the answer, Professor, and that's why you guys were asking me why he didn't do the move. No, looking at it, because we already talked about, like, Bret Hart and 1-2-3-Kid and the politics and the way I looked at it hindsight with 2020, you know, Razor Ramon probably, you know, called an ad lib. He probably, you know, doing what he did, this is why I said – did the click, you know, the, the strength of the click was growing. That's the way I kind of looked at it. And, you know, and of course, you know, you have a program, the summer feud between himself and Diesel that coincides with, you know, SummerSlam, a co-main event or, you know, one of those big high profile, you know, matches that I coincides with SummerSlam. I got the answer. What's the answer? What's the answer. Probably people didn't think he could pick Diesel up for the razor's edge. So he said, look, I could beat you with this instead and it was a small package to show right. he was a technician to show the very uh, that makes sense to me to show he was a technician so that, that makes, makes i a i thought like it was a nod to barry horowitz like hey man i'm gonna give you an easy night kid because but, but let me tell you that that you know what i don't know if there was a build that makes sense now because maybe they were building that oh man he can't get the seven foot diesel up in the razor's edge and he just showed right there he can be anybody anyway that's that's really right. good, Tommy. That's really good. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I that's didn't why know he didn't... until he just said that. So I <laughs> now I just thought, yeah. But didn't he put the fucking giant in the razor's edge? No. WCW? No. No. He didn't put him up there and not do it. He tried to that, but that was just you know that was that was gimmicky. But anyway, you know we look at it at the variation and, and trying to bring the twenty twenty vision, the twenty twenty eyes into nineteen ninety four. It's kind of like you know maybe to the reflectionites and maybe to anybody listening, it's kind of redundant because it doesn't make sense, you know. But we have to kind of put the present with the past and try to give the the reasonings here, reflectionites. And sometimes you know we have to correlate with each other. But anyway. You know, again, we talked about, again, with The Undertaker, you know, we don't want to have to go into the Brian Lee stuff and how hokey it was. But you know what? Ted DiBiase, before we get into the last match, you know, was saying how he was bought and paid for. So, you know, they build this up, you know, since Royal Rumble with The Undertaker losing the casket match wasn't seen on TV. And then there was these vignettes. And I'm going to go to Ray here first a little bit. You know, superstars and wrestling challenge and even the Raws, you know, there was these there was these hokey vignettes of like, you know, I saw, you know, The Undertaker at a, at a car wash. I saw The Undertaker at the 7-Eleven, you know, ordering a big gulp. I saw The Undertaker, you know, at the hotel. You know, it was like the Elvis sighting vignettes, you know, when it was when it was cool to say I saw Elvis Presley, Ray. So, you know, what did you think about those vignettes? breaking it up here 
All right, sorry about that. My phone was going off. Um, number one, I, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was residue. It was residue. Those vignettes were residue from the t- from the year before. What am I talking about? Remember how I said beginning at the top of the podcast how WWE had had made a turn and they, mm-hmm. they, they little by little they're becoming a little more serious. You know, um, they still had some silliness. They still had some ridiculousness. Number mm-hmm. one. I made a mistake, and I forgot to do this. I wanted to look up if they actually hired a detective to find out about the whole Undertaker thing. They did. They did. Who was it? Leslie Nielsen. Shut up. Oh, my (laughs) God. That's right. Right. Naked gun. Right. Oh, man. All right. Cool. So now we got that out of the way. Um, Hey, you know what, man? It's not any dumber or any more silly than what we see, and we're recording this, you know, in in what is this uh, August of 2020? And the fact of the matter is this: it's no dumber than what we see on AEW. You know, it's no dumber than what we see on WWE TV, where they just had some gimmick where they're fighting underground, like it was, oh jeez, whatever. It's no sillier than than Impact Wrestling, what they're doing with with the Impact Wrestling House, which I think is absolutely hilarious. You know, yeah, quote. Oh, dude! Yeah, to each his own. To each his own. Go ahead, right? I'm going to say. But what I'm saying is this: you need, you know, you just need something like that. You need some. You need, you know, so, sometimes it's okay, and especially with it with you know, Undertaker is such an interesting it's character. Escapism. Was that? Yeah, it's escape. Right, but but here's the thing: like, think about this. Undertaker is such an interesting character because you know he is the epitome of a serious character, or is he? It's kind of silly how we have this un- He's the epitome of a cartoon character. Hold on. You have this undead care ca- would you stop? We have this un uh, man, seriously, you're gross. We have this undead caretaker, right? What do you call him? Undertaker, right? Um Mortician. Mortician. Kids are, are absolutely scared. He has this manager, oh yes, who talks all weird and stuff. <clears throat> but he's built he, like you. He shut up. He evolved he's built like you, Chief. <laughs> he's built like he's you. He's not my height. He's short like you. He's not tall. You know, you know who you built like? You built like Mr. Ro- Dr. Robotnik. You know who that is? Nope. Nope. You never That's played Sonic? Sonic. Yeah. Look oh, him up. Yeah, yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Dr. Egghead. You Egghead like Man. Ball Bull from Mike Tyson's Punch. I actually do like Ball Bull. But anyway, listen. <laughs> let, me, let me just get what I'm, what I'm getting at. I just think that Undertaker is one of those characters. You can go anywhere with him. And they went a bit of a comedic route with it. And if, I think it worked. I think, I think it was cool. Um, do you believe the other guy was the Undertaker? Like you said, Tommy, once these guys were in the ring, you knew who the real Undertaker was. But to bring in a dude like Leslie Nielsen, who was, at that time, now, he was super popular way before 19, the 1990s. You know, mm-hmm. with, uh, with the, uh, I forgot, what was it called? The squad? Um, what is it? Uh, Police squad. squad. Oh, Police my squad. God. Hilarious. Airplane, the movie. Airplane 1, Airplane 2. And then you got him Surely. here. Th- the naked guy, Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Um, but, uh, dude, I thought I thought this worked. I, I, w- I went the long way around to answer your question. But but I just really, you know, needed people to understand that, yes, wrestling could be, you know, wrestling can be silly. It's okay for wrestling to be silly. It's all right, guys. It's okay for wrestling to be stupid at times. It's just when you, when, when, when. When you take it too seriously as a fan and then yes. try to make it as perfect as it can be, then, yes. we get, then we're actually more hypocritical to ourselves. The and most guys good. should watch UFC. 
What? About wins and losses and fucking oh. how guys get used and this, that, and the other thing. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend the WWE real quick. And matter of fact, it's just defending everybody because in the in in the ten years ago, Impact did a lot of crazy shit. And WCW some done some of the worst shit I've ever seen in my life. White Castle of Fear, the Bash at the Beach with the boat blowing up. Um, but but it's needed. Well, they know where to draw the line if they don't push the line a couple hundred times. That's that's a song lyric that I love. You gotta keep, you gotta outdo yourself. Like what's the saying? You're only as good as your last whatever. Um, you know whatever the subject is. So you know they do stuff, and yes, yeah, so they're not all hits, but they've had hits after misses. That's for damn sure. Um, mm-hmm. Something that's current in wrestling right now that does nothing for me. All these cinematic matches, absolutely hate them. But they're a sign of the times because of COVID, no audiences and stuff like that. Have at it. Um, but I hope they go the way of the dinosaur when people are allowed back in the buildings. Hey, Professor, are you still on Instagram or you got rid of that? I got rid of that. Oh, unbelievable. I'm trying to tag you on something. Whatever. <laughs> How does someone get rid of Instagram? Whatever. You just delete a profile. But anyway, let's get into the last match here on Monday Night Raw from 1994, and I gotta play that ring bell one more time because Joe Biden will be calling me and saying I want his, he wants my money's worth or whatever. So I gotta play that. Vote for Biden 2020. Now, if you're sick, if you're struggling, if you're worried about how you're going to get through the day, I will not abandon you. We're all in this together. We'll fight this together. And together, we'll emerge. T.W., why are you laughing hysterically? I'm Joe Biden. This guy basement. Reflectionize, can you believe the disrespect out of this ad? T.W. is rolling his eyes. He's like, what the hell is this? Why did he pay this money to the PWR podcast? I told you, I take anybody's money. I'll even take a Green Party's money if they have a great ad. But anyway... We got a squash match involving Erwin R. Scheister, you know, part of the Million Dollar Corporation. And I'm going to go to TW here first. You know, untapped potential. We, you know, you wasn't here for the tag team, you know, the greatest tag teams argument. And JB kind of like wanted to talk about, you know, untapped potential with the tag teams. And he talked about Money Incorporated. You know, the professor was on the fence, but, you know, Money Inc. was, you know, untapped potential as tag team champions. What say you about, you know, Erwin R. Scheister? And you, you always praise Ted DiBiase. So, you know, since this match is really a non-issue with all of us, what do you think about Money Incorporated before we get to the finish? Uh, Erwin R. Scheister is, is, is a conundrum for me. He is someone who had an absolutely stellar wrestling career. Like, stellar. It's no surprise... That he raised two sons. I think Bo Dallas is untapped potential myself. I don't. I don't know why that guy never gets a break or whatever. He's he's so ridiculous and so like believe that shit was gold, man. I don't. I don't get it. And you know why people get given up on so quickly? I do get it because the guys writing NXT are not the guys writing SmackDown or Raw, so they don't know him. They should mm-hmm. elevate writers with guys. Um, so, but but for me. He had to hate wrestling in a damn suit with a tie, right? Um, if you took Mike Rotunda and put him with Ted DiBiase from UWF, oh, even wow. the Million Dollar Man, even the minute they would be probably they would be the Crawford and Furness or, or, or the you know just 
two awesome talents, but they'd have charisma. I don't know that Rotunda had the charisma, but DiBiase had enough to carry the both of them, right? Everybody can't be the yeah. Sean. Someone's got to be the Marty. But the right. York Foundation, wasn't Mike Rotunda in that? Was he? Was he Mike Wall Street, Wall Street, right? Yes. After mm-hmm. IRS. The York Foundation, the Varsity Club, Mike Rotunda on his own. I didn't like the sailboat fucking captain, Mike Rotunda, when he first came huh. back to WCW, feuding with Norman. You, you, did, you did. But, he's lying. He's lying. But, 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 but hold on. But you know what Tommy did love? He loved William Regal. When he's a man, such a man. He's mm-hmm. a man. Oh, that was Big no? Josh 2.0. Oh, but, but Mike Rotunda with Barry Windham. Mike Rotunda with Danny Spivey. Mike Rotunda with the York Foundation, with the with the Varsity Club, is gold. He's in my conversation for best wrestlers of all time. And then he's IRS, and it just kills everything for me. Like, the, the you know, you, you ask the good and the bad. But the weird thing is, it's probably the most successful part of his career is when he was IRS. And that's what I was going to say to you. I was going to jump right it's in. insane. You know, you More know what people know IRS than Mike Rotunda. It's an aficionado like ourselves that know Mike Rotunda or Rotundo, depending on what year it is. But everyone yeah. knows IRS. All right. Knows that's the same guy that's Michael Wall Street. I'll put it mm-hmm. this way. When Rick and Scott Steiner, when Scott Steiner was wrestling with, with you know, tag team with his brother, right? And they yep. were the Steiner brothers. Yep. They were awesome. Yep. They were over. Super athletic. Amazing, right? But Scott Steiner... Didn't become popular until he had that gimmick strapped on him where he he dyed his beard and started talking like the big booty daddy. Right. Same thing with IRS. Same thing with a lot of wrestlers. Ted DiBiase was the man back in the day. You know what I'm saying? He wrestled in, he wrestled in the WWF back in the day. But nobody, nobody, nobody remembers that. They don't remember him winning the UWF title. Right. It's, that's why, you know. He never won the UWF. That's why I love what Rip Rogers always says. Okay, and Rip Rogers says, you know, um, if you can get over a character, you're over. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? You're over forever. Right, right. You just gotta find that that character that's gonna get find your niche. There you go. There you go, man. Very simple. Right. And, and with that, you know there's what? A, there's micro there's an IRS Funko Pop. Oh. What Funko Pop? He said, I think he has an IRS or a ah, micro Fuck that hurt. All right, so Tommy Wonder is... Uh, Sorry, turn- Travis. He's turn- turning over here. He's picking up... Uh, what is that? What is Money? that? Oh, my God. He's got a lot of Funko Pops here. Ladies and gentlemen, that I is... I have a- every WWE one except for AJ Lee. That is a... So ten- many of the, the seven fans want to make me... You know, sell me an AJ Lee pop, and I don't have the Bret Hart tights, CM Punk, the pink mm-hmm. and black, but I have the regular CM. Punk. That was that was that was a Ted DiBiase and IRS Funko Pop uh, combo pop. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful, yep. beautiful stuff. You know what? Let's get to the finish of this squash match, this IRS squash match here on the PWR podcast at HackerHameen at Podbeam.com and also at Hameen Media Group at Podbeam.com. Big clothesline. Irwin has looked very effective here. Irwin almost looks like a detective. And he goes to the lateral press. Well, he picked him up. He had him right there. I was about to say that maybe we could uh, solicit Irwin to investigate the Undertaker situation, Macho Man. I don't think so. I think he's too pro-DiBiase. 
I think we get Charlie Chan or Perry Mason on the case. Good double arm suplex there. Well, one thing's for sure. Whomever the WWF selects, he needs to be confident. He needs to be trained. Uh, someone that is very, very effective, just like this penalty right here. A submission maneuver by Erwin R. Scheister. Here is your winner. Alrighty, Reflection Ice and, and TW, I, do you remember the name of the guy that IRS was fighting because it, it escapes even the professor? I, I, I lost my notes here. Do you remember his name? Was it Billy Joe Jack Jim Bob? Or I put IRS versus Job Guy because I never caught his name. And it was someone I'd never seen before or never will see again. Okay, so what did you think about the Job Guy's I think performance? His name was Ray Hernandez. Uh, really? Um, to be what honest, you, I was typing a lot of my notes. I was I was writing about how I, I just hated it for him that he was at IRS, which I bet you, because he's a true pro, he probably doesn't. And any merchandise he's ever had made has been IRS. T-shirts, I bet she sold some to guys who really like the novelty or whatever. But all I know is he won with an STFU, and I was very proud of him. And let me ask you this before we go to Ray here. You know, I... He disappeared. I, I, I can hear the disdain in your voice when you, you keep talking about IRS and, and the character and the gimmick. But you know what? This is a great example. It's like the Red Rooster argument. If you, like, right. you know, embrace the gimmick. Maybe he didn't like wearing the suit and tie. Maybe he, he wasn't comfortable right. in it. But he embraced it, and it, it was over because he, he believed in the gimmick. What say you, TW, before we go to Ray? This dude has a Red Rooster freaking doll. A little doll. Action hey, figure. Action figure, you sons yeah, of bitch. Terry Taylor's my guy, man. Um, anyways. Oh, oh, by, oh okay. hold on. Hold on, Tommy. That's a perfect example. Nobody remembers Terry Taylor, but the minute that he dyed his hair and started clucking like a chicken, everybody remembers Red Rooster. Book it. I'm, I'm going to tell you the difference between IRS and Terry Taylor. What? Microsoft and Terry Taylor. What's that? Professor just nailed it. IRS did not give a fuck and just went out there and wrestled as IRS. Terry Taylor was mad about it, and it showed. He didn't embrace it. He didn't go out there and, and, and make it his own. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the shittiest gimmicks of all time ever. I become the most popular guy in the history of the business. The fucking ringmaster. It was absolute drizzling shits. It did, mm -hmm. did not fit him. It took away all his charisma that he had in WCW and just shoved it right down the toilet. He had to have DiBiase do the talking for him, and we all know Austin didn't need anybody to talk for him. And he just went out there and did his fucking job with his hunter green shorts and his white boots and his knee pads. And next thing you know, he Stone Cold Steve Austin. And so he personally made $25,000 a month just in T-shirts. That, that's a guy who was like, fuck it. Give me the baton. I'm going to run with it. And I think IRS did it. And I was actually pretty happy that DiBiase and and uh, and Rotunda got to be tag team champions, even though it wasn't long and, it, you know, whatever. I was happy to see them get belts. I know belts are for marks and all that stuff, but it's still a not. It's an appreciation. That it's an appreciation. Yeah, it's an appreciation. And I've talked about it before. When, when Jeff Jarrett in Toronto the night before the pay-per-view stayed down for a three-count without telling Edge and made Edge the Intercontinental Champion in his hometown of Toronto, Ontario, without Edge knowing it was going to happen, I promise you, he will never forget that as long as he lives, and it might mean more to him 
second only to being world champion and having an action figure made of himself because mm-hmm. he grew up a wrestling fan right so DiBiase never winning a title in the WWF would have been a miscarriage of justice Piper getting the tag belt and the intercontinental title I think if he didn't get if he just one of them would have been fine even that that small run with the IC title I think two pay-per-views winning it and losing it um it's a nod to him so even when a hundred years from now, when no one knows who Roddy Piper is, who's alive, they'll know he was a champion because people don't talk about the guys that weren't champions. Yeah, but but, but go, go go down the uh, list of WWE champions. Ted DiBiase has been recognized as a champion. <laughs> he was. No. He, no. Yes. No. No. no yeah. They, they they didn't acknowledge it. Yes, they did. WWE now acknowledges him as a one minute and thirty five second champion. Yes. Andre was a champ for one minute and 35 seconds. He forfeited the title of DiBiase. They said no. They said, but you did forfeit it. And that's Listen, why they had the tournament. No, 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 no. You know what? I swear to you, bro. If you go, if you go to Google, Wikipedia, is anywhere you want to go. Wikipedia right now. Okay. Ted DiBiase actually went and defended that title at house shows. He defended he was, it at the at the Boston Garden, not the not the Madison Square Garden. I know Boston Garden. He de, he came in with that belt. So Razor Ramon's the greatest guy to never be world champion, and Rick Rude's yeah. right behind him. Uh, Roddy Piper. Well, you know what? Let's stay on the IRS uh, train here, Ray, and close your closing thoughts before we close out on the show on IRS. Man, very simple. I would have had him come down to the ring. I agree with Tommy. Must have sucked to wrestle in that stupid uh, button-up shirt and that tie. I would have just had him come to the ring, you know, with a suit, take off the suit jacket, take off the pull off the tie, and unbutton the shirt and have like a white, like a like a rib tank or a wife beater as they call it, and have him wrestle in that. Um, I did enjoy the character. He was perfect for the IRS. I don't know. Tommy wanted to show me nude photos of himself. Uh, on his cell phone. WWF World Heavyweight Championship, one time, unofficial. Oh, what? Where? where, where unofficial. Where, uh, where are you going? Wikipedia. I'm looking at Ted DiBiase's Wikipedia. Go to the go to WWE.com. That's where that's, it counts. That's official. But anyway, Ray, as, your thoughts? As I was saying, with with Erwin R. Scheister, better known as IRS, um, I think that was the perfect guy for that gimmick. Because when you think of, of, of somebody who's a pencil-pushing paper guy, you know, they have no personality, they're cold They're cold fish, and guess what? IRS was a great wrestler back in the day, but that dude had absolutely no personality. That's why they put him with Kevin Sullivan. That's why they teamed him up with, with Rick Steiner. That's why they did that. Um, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought it was a good gimmick, man. Uh, I, loved, I loved Money Incorporated. It worked. It worked, and that was perfect for him because he had the mouthpiece in Teddy Biasi. Um, this match was the drizzling poops, and other than that, uh, it is what it is, man. I really enjoyed this show, Professor. I thought this show was great. I enjoyed it too, and of course, they ended it with Bret Hart. You know, you know, talking about his match with the one, two, three kid. I didn't get to see the full interview, but it didn't matter to me. But that we close out here another stellar performance of the PWR podcast here at HackerHameen at Podbeam.com. And, of course, at Hameen Media Group at Podbeam.com. So, you know what? I don't know what we're going to do in the in the coming weeks. We're going to go maybe boardroom style. We got pay-per-views to galore to really talk about. It was an enjoyment to have three people talking about this. Ray, thank you so much for filling in because the essential one, JB, you know, I don't know. 
if it's a male ego thing, but he thought he could, you know, compete at Raw Underground or, you know, Battle of the Tough Guys, but he got his ass handed to him. So thank you for coming in, you know, at the 11th hour. I appreciate it. I now, really appreciate it. I got to tell you, I haven't done any podcast in almost a month, maybe longer. And, you know, there's no other podcast. And I, I swear to God, guys, uh, God forgive me, I swear that when I say this, I mean this. This is my favorite podcast on the platform. I love what you guys do every single week. It is an absolute pleasure to not only uh, edit this show, but it's a pleasure to listen back. Like, literally, I edit this show, and I can't wait to listen to it Sunday. And I mean that from my heart. Like, I genuinely care about you guys. I love you guys to death. Um, I love the addition of JB. When JB's not here, you got Tommy. When Tommy's not here, JB fills in. But the one constant is always a professor. You are the man. I love you, my friend. And, dude, there's... Let me tell you something, man. The minute I said, man, I'm home. These guys are texting each other. I got to jump in. Because I love wrestling. You know, I, I crap on AEW because it sucks. I crap on the WWE because it sucks. But guess what, guys? I'm still watching it. Why? Because it's wrestling. And I love wrestling. And I love the fact that w that this podcast is the only podcast on Hami Media that, guess what? guess what it doesn't do? It doesn't crap on wrestling. Sometimes we do for fun. But this is the place to be, guys, if you want a positive pro wrestling experience. Thank you guys for what you do every single week, man. I mean it. And give out your Twitter yeah. handles and, and anything, Ray, that you want to, you know, talk about here. Yeah, guys. Um, so I made a couple of changes um, to my uh, Twitter. I used to be at Big Ray Show. You can follow me now at Big Ray's Ministry. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Big Ray's Show. You can find me on Facebook at Raven Big Ray Hernandez. I'm going to be working on, on uh, a solo project coming really soon. It's going to be really special, really fun, really cool, and something, you know, in a way where – I, I love talking to people. I love I love people, uh, you know, sending me messages and, and interacting with me and opening up to me. And I think this podcast that I'm going to be working on is going to just really be something that I think I was meant to be to put on this earth to do. If that made any sense. But mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I love you guys so much. God bless you all. And um, I can't wait to, li to listen back to this. And hopefully Tommy can join me on it. You know, Professor, maybe you can join me one day on, on the podcast. But um, mm -hmm. I would love to have you guys on. But, um, but seriously, thank you everybody for listening to this. And yes, this will be on HackerHameen.Popping.com moving forward. All right. And you can find the prodigal one, the essential one, JB, at P1JB. Also, follow him on, on the all media streams for the Cage Theory with him, uh, Josh Harnett, and Blake Troop. You can also find him on the Film Frequency podcast with himself and CEO Hayes. Man, he's he, he's running himself really thin here. He's like a hoe right now. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, follow him at P1JB. And, of course, TW with his... He has the top 10 grinder profile of 2020. Is that right, TW? You know, promote first, everything. First half. First half. First half. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Give I out your you social. the second one locked up already, so. No, that's Tinder. Just that's, from the messages. That's, no, that's that, Tinder. Just from the people that slid into your DMs last night. No, that's Tinder, oh, not, not grinder. You're grinder. You're the grinder king. I'm not. Oh, gotcha. All right. Yeah, I grind. You only get if you're on the bottom. But, uh, so... My handle is my. Is it my turn to give out handles? Yeah. The the most I, important I one this show is 
Pro Wrestling Reflections or the PW. What do you call it, Professor? You just call it PWR. You you don't like saying the whole PW uh, Reflection. All right. So at PW Reflection, Hami Media Group is obviously at Hami Media Group. Um, Travis, I don't even know why we give him a nod anymore. He doesn't promote us. At Nuts and Bolts PW for penis whipped. Um, Ray already gave you his, and then mine's at Tommy Wonder Nineteen for. Uh, political stuff where I argue with celebrities and get banned. What do you call it? Uh, what, what do you call it? Benched. Blocked. Benched. Blocked. 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 On, benched. Blocked on suspended. suspended. Uh, yes, I've been blocked by uh, what's his name? Uh, Dirty Rock. Come on. Adam Baldwin. Alex Baldwin. Oh, wonderful. Whatever. They're all the same. He's the first one ever blocked me because I crushed him and his fans retweeted it. Um, I, Richard Marks and his his star fucking wife, Daisy Fuentes, blocked me on there. Uh, a couple politicians. Anyway, but that the Tommy Wonder is the one from wrestling. Um, and I will tell you this. If you follow me and I follow you back and then you unfollow me because you just wanted me to follow you, I will also unfollow you. And I always check because it's bullshit. But uh, Snapchat, I have one. I think it's T Wonder. I don't know. And then I got Parlor now, which I think is at TW. What the hell is Parlor? Yeah, it's, it's for people to get censored on Twitter. So I okay. went there. I don't really interact with it yet because basically it's just all politics. But um, okay. and then uh, I did that me me we and that didn't that bomb. Um, and then Marco Polo. Hopefully you can do a little video snippets. And Ray's got something to say. You got too many social media things. That's why you're the king of the social medias. But anyway, right. you know. I was certainly got a shit on me. Mm-hmm. Hey, what, what, what's what's the gimmick you guys do at the end of each show? Oh, the war cry, but we haven't have we're not there just yet. Let me just give out my social. It is at P R O F P W Hustle, aka Professor P W Hustle, and also follow me on the YouTube networks where I do the All Elite Perspectives. Follow my brothers in arms, Mister Infinite Fringe himself, Billy Ray Valentine at Ob One. You know me. And of course, the dirtiest of the city, A Track Brown at A Track Dastardly. Again, we don't know what we're going to do next week and the weeks coming up. We can do boardrooms, we can do pay per views, we can do Raws, SmackDowns, Thunders, ECW, AWA, you know, world class, global. There's so many to talk about. We will try. Maybe we might do the uh, debut episode of AEW. It's old school now, but you know, we'll, we'll find out. We'll see. But anyway, I'm the professor. That's the Tommy Wonder, and that's Big Ray Hernandez saying good night. And Big Ray, since you are the guest here, we want you to give out the war cry to end this show. Hey yo, hard work pays off, dreams come true, bad things don't last, but bad guys do. Absolutely flawless. And the burp to to end the boot. Good night, everybody. See you next week.